I am Keith Fork, and we are here with the Bulls coverage for Sports Ethos with my man, Tony Gill, man. I am super excited to have Tony on. Uh, Tony, how are you doing, man? And Trey's here, too, I guess. Trey, just forget about you, man. Uh, Trey Hill's right. also here, my co-host. I'm, but, uh, I'm, I'm just as excited <laughs> as you are. So, yes. <laughs> I just want to get to the – get don't yo, don't bury the lead. I, let's get this guy on. No, uh, Tony, how are you, man? You doing well? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing I'm doing great, Keith and Trey. Thanks, guys, for uh, for reaching out and having me on the show. Um, I don't know if you should be excited, but hey, we're here, right? <laughs> <laughs> we are here. We are here, guys. Uh, yeah, Sports Ethos Bulls coverage here. And uh, listeners, please take a moment to follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Go follow now. Let's get that out of the way so we can talk to my guy, Tony, here. Tony, so you work with NBC Sports Chicago. Um, I know you handle the podcast, and you do more than that. You were telling me right before we got on here, man. So um, just briefly, if you can, just run us through, you know, everything we can find you doing for, for NBC Sports Chicago. Yeah, so first of all, I am the uh, podcast producer for NBC Sports Chicago. So um, where all your sporting and coverage needs from the experts, uh, from Bulls, Blackhawks, Bears, uh, White Sox, and Cubs. Um, we got a podcast and, and coverage from uh, informed beat writers that, that are on the podcast, uh, post-game and pre-game hosts all on the podcast. We get great guests. Um, and we just like to have fun, we like to have a fun time. So you can catch all those podcasts twice a week, every week. So if you search one, they're Bulls Talk, Blackhawks Talk. Just search the team that you want and talk, and we are there for you. So um, I do that. Um, also, like under the NBC brand, I, I get a chance to, you know, do a lot of other things. Um, I was mentioning before that, you know, I got a chance to, to voice the opening monologue uh, for the Bulls opener, which was super cool. Uh, love doing those things. Um, I voice a little bit of commercials, you know, here and there. Sometimes uh, I may be on a podcast or two. Um, but yeah, I just, it's, it's such a kind of creative environment that I get to dibble and dabble into a bunch of different things, television. Um, I hosted the Bulls Reddit, ask me anything, um, for the, for the Reddit, uh, users. Um, that's, so that's out there. So they allow me to kind of reach and spread across creatively in different spaces, but, um, that's kind of what, what the environment's like and kind of what I do at NBC. That's awesome, man. One question for you, though, real quick before we jump into mm-hmm. anything else. Is Casey Johnson, is he is he as buttoned up, like, in person as he is on the air when I see him? Like, when I see this dude on the air, like, I'm like, I don't know if, like, this dude, like, he's he's always, like, professional, getting mm-hmm. his job done, you know, but, like, like dressed up. Like, this, like is that how he is in real, in real life, too? Casey is super professional, uh-huh. um, does the <laughs> job really well, but he knows how to unbutton when he when he wants. <laughs> okay. So, okay. so yeah, don't don't let the professionalism fool you. Casey is a down to earth type of guy. So yeah, he's, he's a great guy. I love having him on Bulls Talk. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, one thing we like to do here on, on Sports Eat Those Bulls is you know just ask everybody about their Bulls stories. So mm-hmm. tell me, you know. When did you become a Bulls fan? You know, I, I mean, obviously it's the '90s, Jordan, probably. Yeah. But tell us when. <laughs> tell us when that happened. Like you, you're from Chicago, right? Y- yep, born and bred. Okay, so you're from Chicago. Have you always lived there? You born and bred? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I've always lived here. Never moved out of the city. You know, in terms of the city limits, I guess I'm. I'm. I live outside of the city now, but yeah. always around or in Chicago. Um, never left. Wanted to work here. Wanted to do Chicago sports. Um, but yeah, yeah, been a Bulls fan uh, essentially my whole life. Um, yeah. It's like, how can you not be 
you know, <laughs> with, you know, you're raised in the same city as where Michael Jordan is playing. Um, so I guess, like you said, like everybody that is a Bulls fan has a tie to uh, those 90s Bulls. And um, that's why I understand when people talk about like, oh, you're jumping on the bandwagon. It's like everybody has jumped on a bandwagon at <laughs> one point, you know, or another. Uh, and that's how that's how fan bases grow. Right. A team is being wildly successful. People like the people involved in that team. That's how you grow a fan base. And like, oh, I, I think I want to root for that team. So, I mean, as a kid, you all you know is championships and winning with this one team. And it's like, why don't why would you want to hate this team? Like they're representing your city and where you're from and, and putting it on the map na- internationally. If, if you're talking about, you know, Jordan and those 90s Bulls. So, uh, but yeah, you know, my father, he used to take games, you know, uh, we would go to church and, and miss games sometimes, but he would tape them all and we will watch them later, like as a kid. So essentially <laughs> I was watching film before I was like seven. <laughs> that's awesome man that's awesome uh yeah and, and, I, and i apologize to all my listeners or all our listeners uh beforehand here but yeah as i tell all the time you know those 90 bulls man i'm a farm boy at heart like i grew up you know mm-hmm. i lived in the city itself for about five six years before i moved um, to other states uh now i live in kansas but before that i did live in the, uh, the suburbs i lived in elgin and then before that i grew up even even further west of that and um and i tell you know i tell i, I say that i've said this a few times on this pod you know even though my family wasn't necessarily huge in the basketball, when those Jordan Bulls got on for the playoffs, man, it was just a different different atmosphere. You were witnessing greatness, and you stopped what you were doing, and you gathered around the TV. You only got channels 2, 5, 7, 9, 11, 32, and 50, but you gathered yeah. around the TV, and you watched those Bulls games. So um, it was transcendent, and that's when everybody – basically got into it we actually had mark on uh mark uh, i can't remember his last mark k uh on recently and he said that he was a little bit later to the game as far as becoming a fan so that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's when everybody pretty much becomes a fan but i do have a question for you uh tony mm-hmm. I, I like to ask everybody where were you when derrick rose tore his acl i was at my home uh with my parents uh, in Burbank, Illinois. Burbank is like right next to Oakland, uh, just a couple, like maybe 10 minutes outside of the city limits. Uh, and uh, my dad's doing yard work. And I'm like, why are you doing yard work? You know, the Bulls are playing. Um, so uh, he's out there and he comes in, though. He comes in just to, to watch the game and we're watching. And I go to the bathroom and all I hear is, a, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> from my, my dad and my brother. And I was like, what? what? What happened? What happened? Because at that point, the Bulls had the game in hand, yeah. right? Like, I knew they were going to win that game. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, I, I can go to the bathroom now. Like, the, the pressure's off. Because that, that was the year, right? If they were yeah. going to beat LeBron mm-hmm. at any point in time, it was going to be that season. So um, I go to the bathroom. I, I, I run back out. You know, pants nearly at my ankles. Cause I'm just, I'm just running out to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And there's Derek holding his knee um, kind of on the ground and it just went silent in my house. And I was like, well, I think that's it. But yeah. I didn't, it, it's not like it was a super, you know, shocker to me. He was just so explosive. Like mm-hmm. the way he played, I was like, it's, it's going to happen sooner or later. If he doesn't develop that outside shot earlier, sooner rather than later, if he keeps playing like this, it's gonna have a major effect some somewhere down the line, and boom, there it was in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's good to see him doing well again, man. I am so happy for Derrick Rose. I mean, obviously that man just 
you know, he was just emblematic of everything the city stood for and, you know, obviously just came from the city and just seemed like a good guy. Obviously, there there are things that maybe are questionable as far as his decisions are made, uh, which we won't get into. But at the same time, I mean, you know, it's a guy that was easy to cheer for. Um, you know, I know watching him even in high school, uh, you know, a guy that came up in the city and you just wanted to see him succeed. So seeing him go down like that was just such a bummer, man. Uh, and and I'm, everyone, on the, every, all of our listeners are going to think I cry all the time watching basketball because I did cry when he when he tore his ACL. I'm not going to lie. I'm not too manly just to say that. I did do that. I also cried when he dropped, I think it was 40 points again when he was with the T-Wolves. I think he had a 40-point game if that's – Yeah, 50. Right. I think he's worth 50. 50, yep. 50 yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually pulled up the highlights there, and, I, and I'm literally like, you know, I mean, I'm just, just so happy for the guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that really felt like the last time that we were, like, a championship contender, right? I mean, it's so it was so hard to watch. It, when you watch good basketball like that, you watch Jordan, you watch Derrick Rose, it's so hard to feel like um, when you're watching basketball that is less than that, that it's, like, the same game, right? It's just a different level of basketball game. And now we have that again, right? I mean, I, tell me if I'm wrong, Tony. Yeah, no, no. Um you know, something's funny. I'm only I'm only 29 years old. I'll be 30 next year. So the actual only I only remember that last championship team in terms of like the 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 Bulls run, the Jordan Bulls run. Um, I only remember that last team, the 90 uh, the 98 championship team. Uh, and then after that, it was just all just really bad Bulls basketball. Like for a couple of years, <laughs> yeah. I forgot we had a team just because it got so bad. <laughs> You know, no, you know, Phil, he was a part of the Bulls. He went to the Lakers. So, you know, you started watching the Lakers games. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, um, yeah, for, for a while, it, it got really bleak, you know, and then it had a little, a, t- a small uptick with, uh, you know, the Ben Gordon, uh, Heinrich years. Baby Bulls, know, baby. Yeah. Right, the Baby Bulls. That was, Those were, you know, fun, but you knew they weren't going to go anywhere. Nah. Uh, and then, you know, they got Derek and it just kind of, the interest just shot right back up because like I grew up watching Derek, right. I went to Derek games when he was in high school. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. if you play basketball in the city of Chicago and you didn't know who Derek Rose was, it's like, you didn't play basketball. Right. Right. So, um, and then watching that, then watching him elevate the bulls to championship contender. Like that was, that's it. That's all I got. So in terms (laughs) of like cheering for a good bulls team up until this season, um, which has been, you know, I don't think anybody predicted this type of, you know, outcome, but no, it's, yeah. been a, it's been a fun ride watching it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you were just watching for this season and seeing and just kind of riding the wave of what the season is. Yeah. There's, there, there hasn't been excitement around a Bulls team in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's glad it, I'm happy that it's curving a lot of uh, the bears <laughs> bad that's going on and it, it's uh, helping that out a little bit. Uh, but I, I'm glad to see that fans are excited about the Bulls again. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Trey, I, I'll ask you, man, but I'll be honest with you, Tony. I haven't watched the Bears since like week four. So, Trey, have you been watching <laughs> the Bears games? No, I'm in the same boat. I yeah. I pay attention on my phone. You know, I'll, I'll follow along yeah. on my phone. If it's close, you know, in the second half, I might pop it on. But I, right. if Justin Fields isn't playing, I'm not watching is really kind yeah. of where I've been at. If, if he's playing, I at least have, have it on halfway so I can catch him. But that's the only thing that we've had to look forward to when it comes mm-hmm. to the Bears. 
it's been sad and depressing. So thanks for that, guys. Thanks for bringing me in on that note. I wanted to bring you in on the worst note because I just don't like you. I don't like your face. No, it's okay. Uh, no, but yeah. So you said you were. Uh, you said you played ball uh, in high school, college. How how far did you play? What did you play? Go ahead. Yeah. Um. So I did play basketball. I think I'll. I played organized basketball up until high school. Uh-huh. Uh, I was uh, an all-conference uh, basketball player. Played point guard. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of where my organized career <laughs> ended. Um, so I, then from then on, I just kind of just played at, you know, the park listen, man. or, yeah, I mean, listen, man, stuff like I, that. I'm not, I'm, I'm you a baller played enough to get all conference. That's good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, I was all conference too, but I, that's cause I was shooting threes out like lights out, man. Like there was one season I couldn't miss from beyond the arc, man. I was like 50% mm. or something. It was crazy. Uh, no, my, my claim to fame was, uh, again, I mean, I'm, I keep telling the same stories, but uh, I got blocked by Jeffrey Jordan one time at, at a basketball oh. camp, at, at the five-star basketball camp. So that's okay. my claim to fame. Okay. Now, hey, here's the thing. I got blocked by him, but they called a foul. So, oh, okay. you know, uh, yeah. but he didn't, foul, he, didn't, right. he didn't foul me. He didn't foul me, though. So. <laughs> uh, no, man, that's cool. So, uh, okay, so tell me, uh, Tony, your, your favorite Bulls memory moment of uh, that's not a Jordan, Michael Jordan 90s Bulls moment. Um, I think it's got to be Derek's uh, first playoff game. Um, I remember that. I, my dad was doing yard work on that day, too. <laughs> guys <laughs> I was always like, doing yard work during Bulls games, man. What is this I'm guy? Like, what, what are you doing? This is Derek Rose's first playoff game. Like, why aren't we watching this together, like, in, in, in joy and laughter? Uh, but, you know, dads are going to dad, I guess. So, um, by far, I think that was my best post-Jordan uh, memory because here's a guy that again that I watched his entire almost entire life like you start hearing rumblings about this kid Derrick Rose right when you're a kid uh, he's in elementary school we were I was obviously younger than that but you see you start hearing rumblings you know about hey this is one kid and he's really really good I'm like oh okay okay and then you you know hear about him in high school and start watching him on the local TV and like yeah, this is this is the guy. He's come from the same areas that you know we've come from, and um, watching him perform on that level, right? I had never seen. Obviously, Chicago is a hotbed of oh yeah Bulls basketball, of not just Bulls basketball, but basketball in general. In general right. Um, yeah. with a lot of talent coming through here, uh, but Derek was the one that kind of united the city uh, up until he got hurt, until the city kind of splintered uh, after that, but his first playoff game where he were go- was going up against the championship Celtics uh, and matching them every play, every play. And they, and they won that game yeah. and you knew they weren't going to win the championship. They were the AC that year, right. but you knew that something was brewing in Chicago yeah. that was felt like it was going to last a while. Yeah. Um, this was like, I, like I said before, I remember the last championship year, right? But I don't claim those to be my Bulls team. I thought the Rose era and the Joakim era, yeah. this this was going to be my – this is my turn, right? Mm-hmm. This is the turn that we're going to get to see a run in Chicago similar um, or at least close to those 90s Bulls team and something that I can claim for my own. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't you know, pan out to a championship and things happened, but – uh, that first playoff game of Derek, I think he scored, I think he scored like 30, 30 something 
uh, and it went to overtime where he was just, yeah. I mean, nobody could stay in front of him. It, it was a sight to see, and uh, that's probably my my favorite post Jordan Bulls memory. Those, those Bulls Celtics games, man, they were just insane. Uh, mm-hmm. They were just just fire, man. I mean, I that and again, that was a time in my life. I mean, I was in college at that point. Uh, and I had not been watching basketball very much because I had pretty much just gone on to other uh, mm-hmm. other endeavors, you know, uh, whatever it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But but still, <clears throat> again, it draws you back when something is transcendent and it, and, it, and it becomes great basketball as opposed to just average or OK basketball. It's something that draws you in. And we have people again, you know, I'm at, I'm at this you know, college in, in Galesburg, Illinois, this little bum crap town of, uh, of people that you know don't necessarily care about basketball we got people gather around the tv that don't even know and we're watching these games because these are going into overtimes and, and just going crazy man so um i love it man that's that's the basketball we live that's why we watch as fans that's why we watch is to see stuff like that and that's uh, the best first round series ever yeah mm-hmm. so i i absolutely love that answer man um so tell me about Garpax, man. How did you feel about Garpax? I mean, when did you sour on them? Did you sour on them? Were you an apologist? Because I'm a little bit. I was a little bit of a Garpax apologist for a while. What, what were your feelings on them? Um, you know, that it was long been time for them to kind of move on. Uh, that they hung around a little bit too long, um, and they had a good run. And I think people, now that there's some separation and the Bulls are doing all right now, people can re- be honest about the Garpax tenure. You know, it's highs and it's lows. And it had both, right? Um, I just don't want to remember the end, right? They were there for almost two decades. And yeah. there were some good and there was also uh, some bad, which is, you know, you can describe that about, you know, in almost any uh, managerial tenure, you know, mm-hmm. in sports, right? There's good and some bad. Um Towards the end, I thought there, I, I was by no means an apologist. Mm-hmm. Um, they made plenty of mistakes mm-hmm. uh, and some things that, like the the Rose injury, it did hurt them, right? They have built up this team. Yeah. Uh, but they, they've always used that as an excuse. And it's like, no, the league goes on, right? Yeah. Like, it sucks that, uh, you know, top players, top talent, you know, sometimes doesn't get to realize ultimately what the talent is supposed to be. Like it happens all the time in the NBA. You got to be able to pull, push through that. What's the next thing? What's the next thing we got to do? Okay. Derek is not going to be the same. We're going to need some help. Like let's figure, let's do some creative things. Like there was never really an innovator um, in that group. Uh, They just kind of just, well, every time it, it was like playing, you know, word salad bingo. You know, mm-hmm. after Derek got hurt, like they would bring that up, you know, almost every you know press conference when they talked about, OK, what does that mean now? Like Derek hasn't been here for a couple of years. Like, what are you doing now? Um, and they just kind of lost touch with uh, with the league. And I will give, you know, John Paxson a little bit of credit, you know, here more than than Gar. I think Gar was a bit toxic for a while. He had a, mm-hmm. a, a, an eye for for ta- for some talent. I will give him that. Right. Um, but he shouldn't have been general manager. He should have been just stayed a lead a scout. scout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do what he does best where he doesn't have to face the people. He was awful in press conferences. Right. He didn't come off well at all. Yeah. Um, and it soured. And John had to do essentially what was a part of uh, 
Gar's job was to speak to the media and discuss the plan. And John mm-hmm. had to take that back over because Gar had no idea what he was doing in the press conference. So, mm-hmm. uh, but towards the end there, there was finally, you know, it was obvious to everybody else, but it finally hit John Paxson. It was like, look, I don't know any, like the Bulls had lost, you know, relationship and, and touches with, you know, agents and, how the league was functioning in the modern era on how to attract players. And they just had no clue what was going on. It was kind of operating in their own little bubble. And, you know, you need those relationships and they didn't have any. So um, he realized that, Hey, I'm out of touch. I think I'm done here. Um, He put in solid work. Like after those awful last couple of years of Jerry Krause where he tried to, you know, build oh, yeah. around uh, Eddie Curry <laughs> and Tyson Chandler. Uh, the Bulls had like the worst teams in NBA history. Gar flipped that roster. Yep. He did. And they were a playoff team in the next mm-hmm. couple of years. Like mm-hmm. John Paxson did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give him credit where his credit is due. Uh, they built a, a, a decent enough team to match up against LeBron James. Um, Ultimately, it's still LeBron, right? Yeah. Like they did a pretty decent job building that team, developing those players. Uh, but then towards the end, they just couldn't keep up with the rest of the league. So I think I think that's a fair, a, about as fair of an assessment that I can give that that era. You, you, to me, you'd really see the difference in the in how they built the team around Butler, and then how AK was able to build the team around Zach. To mm-hmm. me. Um, that's just the the big stark difference in terms of how Garpax was able to function post Derrick Rose, and then compared to what AK has brought to the table, which has just been um, so refreshing. That kind of stability. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that was a that's a a great point. Is the the difference is um, it seems like they operated with contention all the time, mm-hmm. right? There was, I mean, the, also they were John active, Paxson, they weren't reactive. Right. I mean, and, and on top of that, just their interpersonal skills within the own, you know, they hire a coach, right? And now they're fighting, you know, to, in the media about that coach, mm-hmm. right? Like you hired the coach. Why are you fighting with him? Like, why are you choking up Vinny Del Negro? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm still surprised yeah. he was not suspended for that. Like I get it, right? I mean, he had a you know a, a solid point, but you're supposed to work with your coach. It's supposed to be cohesion with how you operate. And that's something that was a part of the previous Bulls era, right? Those Jordan Bulls, there was a lot of contention. A lot but of dysfunction, yeah. They yeah. right a lot of dysfunction, but they operated well in that dysfunction. Um, yeah. and John tried to recreate that with you know this new generation of coaches and players, and it just didn't work you know, after a while. Um, so, that, I mean, that's a huge difference where now, you know, a, a tourist, uh, Mark Eversley and Billy Donovan, they seem to be in cohesion. They seem like they like each other. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. it's cool, you know, that it's nice to have a good team and then people in that team like each other. Like, it's you can do that as well. So I think that's a, another big difference between that, you know, group and then this one. Well, things are looking up, boys, because we are second in the Eastern Conference, 21 and 10. We are a game and a half behind Brooklyn. They must have. Uh, it's been hard. I'm honestly, I'm still on vacation. I'm still like with my family, so it's been hard mm-hmm. to pay attention to, to anything besides. I've been watching the Bulls games, and that's about it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess the Brooklyn Nets probably beat the, the Clippers last night, or yeah, I think that was last night they played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, game and a half behind second here, uh, or behind first. We're in second. Uh, and the Bulls are just looking up, man. Arturis has done a great job, like like Trey said, you know. Um, 
building around Zach, I think, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit later. I think the main goal here is to make Zach happy and to get him that much needed and much deserved playoff experience. Uh, and I think that's really the only goal they had going into this. I think anything else is icing and they've gotten a lot of icing this season. Uh, and part of that is probably the fact that they've played really good basketball. And part of that is also because um, the rest of the league has really suffered from you know all these health and safety protocols. It's just a very weird season. Uh, you know, I can I can definitely point to, you know, the, the Sixers have dealt with a lot of that. They're in sixth right now, but they had, you know, eight guys out there, the first team to really have like a huge outbreak. And then the Bulls had it kind of um, you know, caught it from them. Uh, I know the Miami Heat, you know, they've had guys out. They've had Jimmy Butler was out for like, mm-hmm. a, I don't know, a month, basically, with that tailbone. Um, walking too. Yeah, man, they've all had issues. I mean, and the Bulls have too. Like, I'm not giving anyone a pass here. It's just a really strange season, so it's hard to gauge this. And I'm, let me ask you guys this: Are you guys worried that there's going to be like some kind of like asterisk here if we do end up being, and we're not going to win a? I don't think anyone, any realistic Bulls fan, thinks we're going to win a championship. But say we we do like what the Hawks did last season, right? And we go to the finals, Eastern Conference Finals, or um, or or just do do better than people expect in the in the in the playoffs. Do you guys think that we're going to get like an asterisk because of the whole COVID thing? Uh, Trey, what do you think, man? I think it depends on the team we're playing. You know, if we get matched up against the Miami Heat and Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler are both out the whole series because they both happen to have COVID, then yeah, I think it'll have an, you know, I think it'll have an asterisk. But if we face a team that's healthy come playoff time, which I think is the goal here is to you know these teams can deal with this now and hopefully you know find a way to be healthy come playoff time i think as long as the teams have some health come playoff time i don't think anyone's going to look at it you know too differently what do you think tony yeah um no i mean like you said everybody's dealing with this uh so i don't think it'll be an asterisk like you know, I was putting the Astros next to that Lakers championship or, mm. you know, the Milwaukee championship last year. Like, it's it's all a part. It's an added thing in the strategy of the game, right? It's just another layer. It's it, Instead of, you know, 2D chess, now we're playing 3D chess um, on how. And the Bulls, to their credit, have been operating really well through all of this because everybody is on equal playing terms in terms of this this COVID. It's impacting the whole league. It's impacting sports. So um, I don't think there's going to be an asterisk next to it. I mean, they're playing well. And you know, yeah. their guys are going out as well, top guys. Um, it is a weird year, you know, a weird season. It That scenario where, you know, maybe they are helped out some where um, – COVID has equaled the playing field. I, I, I think I put it that way some. Uh, but the Bulls are talented, you know, and they mm-hmm. play well together. Um, they play solid defense, uh, and their offense is really efficient. And, you know, the numbers don't lie about that. So um, if they do happen, I mean, I, all I can say is just enjoy the ride right now, right? Yeah. Uh, DeMar's in his 30s. Uh, Vooch is in his, you know, 30, early 30s. So I don't know how long this group specifically lasts um, for the next, you know, few seasons. But as of right now, enjoy being a top two team in the East and one of the, you know, five or six best teams in, in, in the NBA because Bulls haven't been there in, you know, what, 10 years or so? Like, they, they haven't even been in that conversation. So um, if it's an asterisk, if some people want to do it, that's on them, but I think to every Bulls fans, I think this season is going to be a, a special one and one to remember. 
Enjoy yeah. it is right. Yeah, it's it's great to see people excited, man. I'm just, my my biggest worry is that like the Bulls are gonna you know make some waves, do well, and then they're gonna get like the Phoenix Suns treatment. And people are just I don't understand why people constantly are disrespecting the Phoenix Suns. Like that's a legit team. That team that team is a good freaking basketball team, man. They they play the right way. Um, they have every they have a player for every situation. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you, you got Devin Booker, you've got Chris Paul, you've got, uh, you know, uh, DeAndre Aiden, you've got Mikael Bridges to do out there, play defense on a Steph Curry time. I mean, you've got guys that just, they play the in the shadow of Steph Curry. You said it yourself. That's why the Suns don't, they get overlooked because they're in the shadow of Steph Curry and clay, you know, looming coming back. I just At least like, in my opinion, I just feel like a lot of people just sold their, their finals run short last season because of the whole, like, Oh, they had, a, they, they played teams in the playoffs that had, but you made a good point trade because in, in the playoffs was when they were, the other teams were missing players. And if that does happen, that is something where, where fans usually look at it and go, uh, you know, I don't know if they necessarily deserve that. So I don't know if the bulls will get that treatment, but I am a little worried about that just because this season, like with all the health and safety protocols, it's, it's even worse. I mean, the bubble season was, they stopped the season and then they, you know, they resumed it in the bubble with only player, only teams that were in contention. So you didn't have this, this kind of situation where we had many players out. So I guess that's my worry. And that's where that, that question comes from. But I think you guys make good points that I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, but um, the bulls are rolling here, guys. I mean, they got another victory here uh, against the, uh, who did we play? Oh my God. The Hawks. The hot shooting Atlanta Hawks. The hot just, shooting, yeah. It seemed like they were they weren't missing there for a minute. Yeah. So um so I mean it was a great game. Uh Trey, you wanna lead us off here? What did you see? Uh we didn't get a chance to recap it, so uh give give me a little recap here of what you saw in that game. Uh what I really noticed at first was Kobe White struggling to guard Trey Young. Uh he was really making an effort to get over the screens and Trey Young only shot one of six from three. The Bulls made it a really, you know, a hard effort to run him off the line, but he had five assists really early in the first quarter. And then um, I think Io was on him a little after he came in and the adjustment in the second half to have green guard him instead and kind of let Kobe settle into that secondary score, microwave score kind of role. Kobe just seemed a lot more comfortable in the second half. And Cam Reddish, I thought he really kind of exposed that weakness we have for guarding that type of player right now, especially with Lonzo and Caruso out. But this was a game that the Bulls don't win, you know, last year. But they are just, as Tony brought up earlier, they're so efficient on offense. It seemed like even though the Hawks were just shooting, you know, on fire like NBA Jam, the Bulls were still able to win by 12. So to me, it was just a really quality win against a team that a lot of people thought were going to be Eastern Conference contenders this year. Cammy Cam Reddish, man, this guy, 33 points, 11 of 23 shooting, 8 of 13 from beyond the arc. Uh, I know you were telling me, Trey, you know, what if the Bulls could uh, could trade for this guy? I don't think, I mean, I, I really don't think, especially now, the Hawks are going to want to give this guy up. I, I just don't think he's a realistic trade tar- target. But um, if he was, uh, I, I might be coming around to, you know, this guy can give us maybe a little bit more of, of what we're looking for here uh, as far as, you know, a guy to replace uh, Patrick Williams in the starting lineup. But, yeah, I mean, we had a real, real hard time guarding this guy. Um, our big three played especially well, um, just like they did the last game. They've, they've just been doing their jobs. Uh, and I know DeMar, when he was asked about it, you know, kind of paused and, 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 and stopped everyone and said, hey, Lonzo Ball, our big four. Uh, we were missing Lenzo Ball for this one. They were missing John Collins, though. So, again, as Tony said, it kind of – as long as you have a similar amount of players and, 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 you know, 
key guys out, it's kind of a equal wash kind of kind of levels of playing field. So, um, but yeah, I, I was watching Kobe White. The first note I have on here um, for my pregame notes was what I was looking for was Kobe White bounce back game. Uh, yeah, that, that didn't necessarily happen. I, I was watching him. He was over three with, with he had no turnovers, but he had three fouls. Uh, I think that was by halftime. He had that that stat line there. Um, it just was. He just hasn't looked confident in his shot and. Uh, I think this guy needs to shoot the ball more. I mean, am I crazy, Tony? Uh, no. Um, I think, you know, with uh, Kobe coming back from an injury and then getting COVID, it's been tough for him to find a rhythm. And uh, he is a, and I know it's a cliche saying, but it rings true for Kobe. He's a rhythm player. Like he needs consistency. He need, Once he has a consistent, you know, amount of minutes, uh, consistent amount of playing time. And once he finds his rhythm with the ball, um, and finds his place within the game, he can expose a lot of things for on other teams in terms of what he can do on offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, that all comes with being a bit more aggressive. Uh, if the, the Bulls, they don't have the greatest offensive bench um, outside of, you know, IO's uh, spurts uh, and Alex Caruso, he's more of a defensive player. He's not going to give you much on, on, on offense. That's not where his specific value is. Um, there's nobody else. There's literally no one else to provide some offense. I mean, Matt Thomas came off the bench and did a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kobe has got to be the guy uh, for the Bulls leading the charge off the bench. And in last night's case, uh, a fill-in role um, where he just needs to do what he does best. And this roster helps him out to do that, right? He doesn't have the – we tried that you know, experiment last year uh, under Billy Donovan where let's see if he can play point guard some. He's going to have his opportunities in. Is just not in his forte to facilitate, to organize an offense. That's not what he does. That's not right. what he does best. That's not what got him into the NBA. Yeah. It was his scoring prowess and the scoring ability. So um, in order to get the most out of Kobe, you need to you know, make sure that he gets up shots, that they're consistent. Um, and obviously not in the way of your main guys, right? But if you want the most out of Kobe White, he needs to shoot uh, and he needs to score. So uh, yeah. it was nice to see that he, he bounced back in the second half, like Trey said. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know Kobe's not the greatest defender, but, you know, he worked really hard. There's a noticeable difference in the way that he uh, applies pressure on the pick and roll. Right. Yes. I'm so glad I'm not the only one noticing this. Yeah, no, no. I mean, he certainly made an effort. He said in a couple of press conference, he tries to work on one thing over the offseason and to improve upon. And this offseason was getting up and over those screens. Uh, because there were a problem, you know, last season, everybody was getting screened. And now that Lonzo and Alex Caruso has set the standard of what they want to do right. defensively at the point of attack. He's been um, huge, man. He's been huge. It's Caruso. those other, right. those other guys, those other guards have to fall in line now with what Lonzo and Caruso are doing to set everything else up that they want to do on defense. And they have to play that way because that back end help is not coming. There is yeah. no back end help no, on defense. Booch is not going, is not the rim protector. Um, and there's no Giannis kind of looming around yeah. um, as, as a free safety. So they got to be great uh, on that part. And it's difficult, right? Trey Young is a superstar player. Yeah. Um, I love, like, Atlanta, they have a lot. I think, I think the last time I checked, Atlanta was like third in offense. Um, they're awful at defense. But they are third in offense. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and, you know, injuries and COVID has impacted them. It hasn't, um, they haven't been able, been able to bounce back from their COVID issues as, as well as the Bulls. 
Uh, but if they're healthy, they're a dangerous team. And that's a really good team. That's a really good team that they have in Atlanta. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, that, I mean, it's an entertaining matchup when those two teams get together. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. If they can match up in the playoffs, that'd be something, some, something fun yeah. for us to have for, for I think seven games. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But you guys are right. Like Kobe, he needs to shoot. Um, yeah. To be fair. No, coach, I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, I went and looked at cleaning the glass, uh, the numbers for Kobe, wh- whether he played with DeMar, with Zach, or with both of them. So mm-hmm. the net rating per 100 possessions, when all three of them play, they're mm-hmm. minus 6.6 points per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. But when he when he just plays with Zach, they're plus 10.9. And when he just plays with DeMar, they're plus 6.8. Mm-hmm. I think Kobe really thrives being that secondary release valve. For and, whether it's Zach or Demar and attacking that second, yeah. you know, I think that's going to be his perfect role. And once he gets his, you know, once he gets settled in, I think he's going to really fit this team well once everyone's back and you know all the puzzle pieces fit. I mean, Trey, you, you, we've been doing the show now for a few weeks. I mean, you, I, I was a guy that said, look, you know, Kobe's got to be a big guy in our second, our second unit here. Our second unit, like 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 Tony said, it doesn't have any scoring, man. This is the guy that's got to put. It, he's got to be our Lou Williams. He's got to get cooking. He's got to put up 20 points in a game, you know, in 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 20 25 minutes. And that's something he can do. I mean, you know, the, the, his ball security is shit. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna mince words. It's awful. I hate watching the guy handle the rock. I hate watching him be a point guard. He's not a point guard. He's a scoring guard. That's his that's his value. That's what he's going to do on the basketball court. And he, he he's he struggled so far. But uh, to be fair to Kobe, in the second half, he was five for eight from the field. He was three for five from behind the line. Uh, he had 13 points. So, um, like you said, he did bounce back in that second half. It was good to see. Um, we needed his contributions to win that game. Like Tony said, this is a good Atlanta Hawks team. It was always going to be a good and close game, even with John Collins on the sidelines. Uh, you're laughing at me, Trey. What do you what do you got for me? What do you got? Oh, what, what am I, Tony, what am I Tony doesn't realize how special it is. You must really have gotten upset with Kobe's ball handling because you don't ever curse oh, on this podcast. Jesus. I try. I'm not the to, one. Man. I'm the one who drops the bleep bombs. And I might have hearing you curse. It it made me chuckle. I might have dropped a few on those little baby half hooks from Vucevic that were like he wasn't even getting his body turned around and this dude was missing like you know 17 shots a game. I might have let a few you know swears out there, but no, I, I try not to. But I will. I because and that's why you're banned from the Vucevic bandwagon. You can't yeah, get back I, on. I, I'm not. I'm not. My, my pass has been rescinded. By the way, Tony, Fuck. he he jumped off the Vucevic. Bandwagon. I didn't jump. I, off. I need to expose him for that. <laughs> This is not, 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 <laughs> Look, I mean, I think I think I think he would admit that he deserved it. You know, like he he's been openly frustrated yeah. with before recently, which he's been playing, you know, pretty close to his numbers uh, as of late the last you know few yeah. games. Um, but, be- but before that, I mean, we were looking at him like, did we just give away Laurie Marketing and trade it for Laurie Marketing? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, those fears and those like itchy watching him miss those bunnies and those easy shots. And he he just had a tougher time than the rest of the new guys getting comfortable in his role. Right. I mean, in Orlando, he was the number one option. Right. He was getting those consistent touches on the post area. And that's not how the Bulls play. They don't play inside out. They play outside in and then let allow Zach and uh, DeMar kind of dictate what's happening on the offensive end. Um, he's got a. He's slowly trying to find his role. Uh, Casey and Rob, Casey Johnson, and Rob, they did a podcast that came out today. 
um, talking about uh, Vooch's play recently, and I think mm-hmm. Casey brought up a, a good point, uh, is that they don't necessarily need him to play at an all-star level for them to be really, really good. They just need a consistent um, amount of effort from his numbers uh, across the board. Like he doesn't have to be 20 and 10 every night. Yes. yes. Like he just has to make sure that he makes the shots that are the easy ones, yes. right? And make the passes uh, that he needs to make. Um, and he wasn't doing that, you yes. know, earlier in the season. It took him a while. We're, you know, more than a third, right? Third of the way through. Um, and he's just now getting into, you know, an emotion. Hopefully this can, you know, be consistent. He had a couple spurts during that bad time where it's like, oh, he's back now, where he had one good game. And then, you know, I think that that Miami game, I think was the was the lowest of the low. Where mm-hmm. like, what is what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. but I think it's a healthy place to put for Bulls fans, their expectations for Vooch is look, we're not gonna get Orlando Vooch. That's no. not his role with this team. He's not going to have enough opportunities to be Orlando Vooch. We just need him to be consistent on offense. Um, none of these, you know, three for 13, you know, games, you know, like that is make the shots that are given to you. They're in their bunnies too. Mm-hmm. And that's the most frustrating yeah. part, right? They're, yeah, they're, they, they they're should go easy in. Yeah. Looks. Absolutely. They're easy looks. So if he just makes those more often yeah. um, and then just don't be terrible on defense, Yep. Uh, that's that's what you need from him. And I think that's a good place to expect. And anything above that, like uh, the game against the Hawks, that was an excellent game for me. Yes, it was. If he does that every every game, by all means, God yeah. bless him. But right. I'm, not ex- I'm not putting that expectation on him mm-hmm. just because his opportunities are going to be kind of up and down. Uh, now, I do believe, yeah, it was uh, Tony Bradley was out for that game. So Vooch did get a little bit of extra, like, I would say nudge. He, I think he played a few, mm-hmm. maybe a few extra minutes or something like that. But, yeah, just run through his fourth quarter numbers here. And I was, um, you know, I'm over here visiting family for Christmas, obviously. Uh, I'm in Virginia. Uh, not like anyone cares. But, anyways, I'm over in Virginia visiting family. And uh, and we were watching this game. And I've got people that don't watch basketball. They're asking me, like, all these questions. So it's, like, really hard for me to concentrate. <laughs> but, anyways, uh, they were like, you know, I was telling them, you know, hey, these are our fourth quarter guys. You got DeMar DeRozan. We got Zach Levine. These are two of the top five scorers in the NBA in the fourth quarter. But Vucevic, man, this is the guy four for six from the field in the fourth quarter, 13 points. Three for four from beyond the arc, uh, five rebounds, one assist. I mean, this guy lit it up a block. He, you know, he, he did everything in the fourth quarter uh, and the whole game. I mean, he just had a fantastic game. And I, and I know Trey jokes that I, I jumped off the wagon. I just, I, especially in with Kobe, same thing. It's the same premise, right? It's like with Kobe too. You know, I love this guy. I just expect more from him. I think he's, I think he's so much capable, so much more. We saw so many good things from Kobe on the offensive end when this team had nobody to score last season basically um you know and, and i just feel like you know he was i really thought this guy was going to be that guy that's going to come in that second unit and give us you know 15 20 off the bench no problem that's just going to be his role but it's like he's like he's like afraid to shoot for kobe for vooch like i said i was i was frustrated by um it seemed like he had the yips right it was like he had some performance anxiety and he was just like short arming things and he was like he was in his own head and every, after every miss it was like a big you know to do for him he was more frustrated than i was which you kind of appreciate, but at the same time, it's a little frustrating to see that because it's like, dude, this is your job. Like, I mean, I, I'm frustrated on a pickup basketball game when I miss a shot. I get that, but this is what you do. You get paid millions of dollars to do. So 
you know, not to be not to be too crazy about it, but uh, but I just expect more of these people. You know, it's not it's not necessarily that I dislike them or dislike them as players. I think these are fans. You don't have to defend yourself, man. It's okay. No, I'm um, gonna defend it, myself. Go ahead. In the last ten games, Vooch has been at 66% around the rim. That tracks mm-hmm. with you know about what he shoots. You know, shot in Orlando. But he shot 46% on non-corner threes, and he's been shooting five over five and a half a game. That's really – and he had two real timely three-pointers against the Hawks whenever they were going on runs to cut into the lead. And it was just this big relief that he came through in the – you know, not, not necessarily quote-unquote clutch time, but whenever the Bulls really needed a basket and – uh, I don't know if it was Zach or DeMar, but one of them, you know, forced the defense to collapse and there was Vucevic open and he, him knocking down those shots is just huge for this team and this offense. Yeah, man, absolutely. But uh, man, uh, look at these, this, this whole game line from DeMar DeRozan, 35 points, 10 assists, only three turnovers, uh, five rebounds, man. That's a fantasy line to remember. If y'all play fantasy, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner, guys, at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ETHOS when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player, pl- player props on the biggest games playing every night. Score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. And I'm one of your DFS guys. Uh, I'm pretty hit or miss, so don't don't always take my advice. But when you do, it's going to go great. I, I can promise you that. But no, no, sign up for that, guys. Go get it. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, DeMar DeRozan, I mean, just uh, so I was listening to, to Bulls talk a little bit, you know, Tony, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, and I don't think I'm not, I, I know you rehash. I'm not trying to get you to rehash what you did on your show, uh, but you weren't necessarily a fan of the signing. You're one of those people that that wasn't so big on it. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. Uh, I mean, I wasn't the only one, but yeah, I was not a right. fan sure, sure. of the Demar Derozan signing. I yeah. it, I didn't understand it at the time. Um, in terms of play style, uh, in terms of fit, I didn't know how uh, they were going to make that work. Um, I thought that they were looking to do a more of a quick fix than make a long-term, you know, move in terms of a fix. I thought Lonzo fit a lot yeah. better with, you know, in terms of time, in terms of age, stoked with that uh, yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, where he's at in his career, uh, matching up where Zach Levine is at in his career. I was like, okay, I get it. I partially got the, the Vooch thing. Um, I thought that, okay, you needed something on the inside. You were getting nothing, you know, on, on the inside. Uh, it's a declining deal, um, the Vooch uh, contract. So I, I understood that, but I just did not understand getting, you know, DeMar DeRozan at this point. Um, I thought DeMar was more of a, he needs at his age uh, and the deal that he was looking for, you know, maybe a real contender could have used him, right? Like the Lakers, uh, were in contention to get him, but they chose to go, you know, Russell Westbrook than yeah. uh, Demar, which you know we see how that's working out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was not a fan of it, um, and I mean at least for this season, I've been proven wrong, and I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not you know scared to admit that that mm-hmm. I was wrong, but I don't think anybody was expecting you know him being oh, MVP no. considerations, no. <laughs> that type of effort. No. I think 
my my biggest gripe was I would have liked that, and I know it, you're dealing with a couple of things, right? You, you're trying to prove to Zach Levine, if that's your guy, that you're all in on him, mm-hmm. uh, and he's ready to win. So I get, you know, making that ready to win now move. Uh, but it also, to me, kind of closes you off in terms of future stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm thinking more, okay, you drafted Pat Williams number four overall. I mean, in hindsight, he's gotten hurt, so you wouldn't have had him anyway, but he needed to grow into the guy that you can prop up when it's time to go for the real free agents, like for the guys that can actually help you win a championship and be the reason why, you know, you're winning a championship in the end, it's going to be, look, we got Zach Levine and Patrick Williams three years from now, right? When those contracts are up for DeMar and Vooch and they will be three years older, the guys that you want to, you don't want to promote, like, look, we got this 34-year-old, 35-year-old DeMar DeRozan and yeah. this 36-year-old Nikola Vucevic. Do you want to come ride with us? Like, that's not a good pitch. Right. The pitch is Zach Levine and Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. So if Patrick Williams doesn't look like much of anything, and he's like, well, you got Zach Levine, do I want to really have this short run or play with, you know, a 30-plus year? If they come back, right, at the end of those contracts. I mean, you got Lonzo. He's cool. Uh, but what else? <laughs> what else do you got here? The Caruso. Um, the Caruso. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm thinking more of that, right? Yeah. Like no, right yeah. now, it's great. Right now, mm-hmm. I'm loving it. It's uh, they're entertaining watch. But after next season, right? Mm-hmm. What, what does that look like? Demar's a year older, right. right? Vooch is a year older. Zach is heading into this prime. Those guys are heading are on the decline uh, of, of their careers, and we still don't know what Patrick Williams is. Right. And this is that's. It's going to be a contract year for him next year. So yes. he needs to prove that he can handle the load defensively, right, on star players. And he also needs to be able to handle uh, the load offensively as a player. He needs the growth. Like, I'm expecting him to transform. Being the number four pick, mm-hmm. he needs to be on par with, you know, in terms of offensive responsibility as Zach Levine. Nobody drafts a number four overall pick just so he can play defense. Like, no, you, we draft you number four overall so you can be a staple in this franchise, and we have yet to, to see that. And that's what I kind of worry about if all the opportunities and chances for him to grow his offensive game goes to Vooch, Lonzo, and DeMar, where does that leave Patrick Williams um, in, in the future? And that's, that's my only gripe with that, that specific signing uh, of DeMar DeRozan. So Keith said he didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm going to 100% purposely put you on the spot. Uh, I got no control uh, over him, Tony. I'm sorry. So it doesn't sound like you're super high on the Patrick Williams fit with this team. Would you trade Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant if you thought if Grant was going to be back for the playoffs? I, I'm not going to say what I would do. Here's what I think if they were to make that move. I would definitely be skeptical of Mark and Arturis if that was the case. They scouted this guy. They had a top five pick in the draft and they chose him mm-hmm. specifically. So that means they see something in him that can grow into something. And for them to bail on that project for a sh- short-term run mm-hmm. to take advantage. And I mean, is Jeremy Grant really going to be the guy that gets you to the championship? Like, I don't think it's 
I don't think he would. I mean, he's a he's made himself into a really, really solid player, really a borderline all-star type player. Uh, but I don't think he gets you to that place where you want to go in order to give up on the project that you saw in, in Patrick Williams. Um, I'm not saying that I'm down on Patrick Williams. I don't know what he is yet, right? I mean, he did all this stuff in uh, in summer league, right? They were giving him all these opportunities. He was in yep. playmaking mode. He was making, you know, the leader of the offense. Uh, Didn't do that great you either. You can't, but, you can't get tricked by summer league, but yeah, you're right. But, he, but, they uh, did get him the focus. Yeah, but he, that he was that was my thing, right? That mm-hmm. was my thing was you put all this emphasis. I wasn't really looking to the production part, but they put a lot of emphasis. That whole team, that summer league team, yeah, it had Io on it and you know um, Marco and other players, but that team was built around Patrick Williams. Yeah, it was. And As the once the season, one. once the season started, I didn't see him being put in any of those positions, either as a playmaker at the, you know, at the top of the key, making it look, you know, passes or, or any of that thing or any of those things. So um, I don't yeah, know he, what he is yet. He didn't get those opportunities. You're right. He didn't get those opportunities once the actual season started. You, you're hundred percent correct. Um, I think, I think the point of that whole thing with, with the, with the summer league and he was a volume shooter in the summer league and mm-hmm. it didn't necessarily work out for him. I mean, he, he, I mean, he, he played well. I watched all the summer league games I liked what I saw. I thought it would. I thought it would translate into the season. Um, but like you said, it's not. It's not the same. He's not that type of player. He's not. When he gets in with Demar Derozan, Zach Levine, and and Vucevic, he's not getting those same opportunities or those same spots to shoot the ball from. So I get what you're saying that it might hinder his development. Mm-hmm. For me though, I do think the defense is important, and I do. And I don't think mm-hmm. you 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 draft a guy fourth. No, I don't think you draft. I think you're drafting a guy fourth like a Scotty Barnes to be to be a Scotty Barnes, who is not just a defensive stud. He is also, you know, contributing in every facet of the of the mm-hmm. basketball game. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're gonna draw, if you're gonna draft a defensive stud, you know, go draft a guy 15, 16, 17, 18 that's gonna go do that for you. That that's fine. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you're expecting more. I, I get it. You're expecting more from Patrick Williams. I get it. He's only 20 years old still. He'll turn 21 uh, next season. So, you know, he's still got a lot of time here. He's got a lot of time to develop. Um, I love what I saw from him on the defensive end, though, and this is why uh, I know Trey and I, we had, a, like I said, another podcast where we were talking about the Bulls quite a bit on that. We were both high on the Bulls because, uh, I think, of what we saw as a unit defensively and having DeMar DeRozan on there because, the, you know, this is this is the – you, you make it. You make it sound like we thought they were going to be a good defense oh. because Demar Derozan was on it. I need to. No, 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 I just no, needed no. to stop you so no, no, Tony no, no, did not no, no, think no, we no. were ridiculous. No, 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 no. Derozan's. I know Derozan's not known as a good. So okay, you didn't let me finish my point, Mr. Trey Hill. I'm about to kick. How do I mute you? Uh, so anyways, no. So so it's because it, it's more of a, a unit thing, right? The unit of of, of the the team defense is much more important on the NBA level than it is, uh, you know, individually. And DeRozan necessarily isn't necessarily a great defender. I get that. I understand mm-hmm. that. But uh, Patrick Williams is what enabled these guys to really build build this team from a defensive standpoint. And defensive, defense is something that I really, really key into. And, you know, everything is switchable one through four. And you've got Vooch, who's a rim protector. He's not the best rim protector, like you said. He's not great. But he does – he is generally in the right spots when he's in drop coverage, and that's what he prefers to play is drop coverage on mm-hmm. those big roles. Um, it's when he's asked to jump out and, and you know, close down on def- on a offensive player or shooter on the perimeter or when he's asked to move his feet to keep up with somebody dribbling off the perimeter. Mm-hmm. That's when he fails. And, 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 and having a Patrick Williams and a DeMar DeRozan and a Zach Levine 
and Alonzo Ball on the floor at the same time with him means he doesn't have to do that as much because those four guys can can cover for him in, in that sense. So um, from that sense, it just made so much sense to me. And that's why, um, you know, I thought they were going to have a really great season. Now, like you said, nobody could have predicted DeMar DeRozan to have an MVP-like season. This guy's just been incredible this season. Mm-hmm. There's no sense in that at all. But, um, and Trey, I mean, uh, go ahead, tell me, what, what, am I wrong what I'm saying here? I mean, am, am I totally off base? No, no, we thought that they would be better on defense than most teams thought. Uh, Vucevic had anchored a top 10-ish defense in Orlando, and while he had better defenders around him, they were more efficient. On the we were we were confident the Bulls were going to be more efficient on the offensive end. And whenever you're forcing teams to take the ball out of the basket and you get to get back on defense, your defense generally does better than people think. Especially, I was confident that Vucevic was going to be able to be in the right spots. And I've loved Lonzo Ball's defense for a while now. So I really I didn't see Caruso Watching coming Lonzo in and dominating, and Caruso, but I I thought yeah. Lonzo was going to come in and play very well. Lonzo and Caruso, watching them on defense has just been music to my ears, man. I just, I, that's the, I love watching the Toronto Raptors. Let, let, let's put it out there, right? Like, I love watching just good, long defenders just getting getting to it, like just defending that perimeter. Um, so I, I was all for it. I thought it was a great, def, you know, a great makeup for a team. Um, but yeah, I, going back to Patrick Williams, I, uh, you're right. He hasn't shown it yet. But if I recall, didn't he have a, uh, you know, injury to start the season yeah yeah he had injuries and he was still recovering from that right before he basically went down with another injury i mean he, he had mm-hmm. like maybe a 10 game sample size right where he was like mm-hmm. fully healthy and playing to his full ability and it didn't look great I, I i won't say it looked great but again this is a 20 year old dude uh i'm still very high on him i think he still has those skills too um, again, be that defender that can just switch, you know, be the Mikel Bridges, the glue guy, the Luol Dane, the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the guy that enables you to have that flexibility, especially on the defensive end, to just stay in the basketball game. But uh, but you're, you're expecting more from him. So uh, any thoughts on that, Tony? Yeah. Um, I mean, it'd be cool. Again, it's where they've picked him at is what their thoughts on him, right? Um when you're picking a guy who didn't start in college, was a freshman, uh, you knew that he was a, a project that you think that because of his raw abilities that you can transform into something greater than what he was uh, in college. Uh, and I'm, I'm still trusting that eye from Mark and Arturis, right? I mean, uh, they came from, you know, Philly and Denver, uh, Arturis specifically from Denver, who where they had to find diamonds in the rough in order to be contenders. So I'm leaning on his expertise here on what he saw in Patrick Williams can come into form um, on a superstar level. Now, if he if he becomes an elite defender, I mean, that's great, right? That that'll be excellent. Um, I think he does have uh, a elite defender potential, uh, but he hasn't. It's only been shown in sport in spurts, right? Different plays. He's coming off the back end for like a crazy block, you know, or something. But um, at least early on in his career, you haven't seen him really like, oh, Patrick's got him locked up. Like, go sick him, you know, Patrick. Yeah. Like, you, he hasn't been that. He type hasn't of done that. Defender. He hasn't done right? that. But he I will say, this is a 19-year-old that did guard Zion Williamson, and that mm-hmm. that guy's got like 100 pounds on Mr. Patrick Williams. So, so I, again. <laughs> 
I think the potential's there. I, I agree with you though, Tony. I don't I don't disagree with you. I think it's a good point, man. Um, I just think it, it's a good conversation to have. I, I, I like Patrick. I, I hope everything turns out for him. But um, real quick, guys, real quick, happy holidays, everybody. Tis the season of giving, but stop giving your personal information to your ISP. On top of overcharging, your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yeah, I know we're sports ethos. We used to be hoopball. It's hoopball. To get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription, it's super easy. Turning it on just takes one click, and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass, too. Once more, that's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. So, yeah, briefly, guys. Um, before we log off here, let's talk about, uh, you know, we are talking about Patrick Williams. We're talking about the future. I love it. Um, let's talk about what we think, you know, in the next two, three, four, five years the Bulls are trying to do here. Because like you said, Tony, you know, what, uh, Vooch is, what, 30? Uh, Tomorrow's 31 or something. I, they're, they're getting up there, right? They've only got a few more good years left. Um, this isn't probably our championship team. It's probably not going to happen this year. Uh, you know, it, the Bulls are rumored to be buyers at the deadline, and we'll talk about that on a, on a, on a future episode. Uh, but barring them landing another superstar-type talent or, or you know, borderline star talent, this isn't really something where we're looking to win a ship this year. So, um, you know, my my idea, my thought process was, um, again, this, this the whole point of this season and making all these signings was to get Zach Levine to sign the bottom line that, or to sign the sign the contract, right? The max extension, it's coming. This guy's going to be ours through, you know, the year, his 30, until he's 33 years old or whatever it is. So that's what I think they're aiming to do here. And this is why they gave it to him. Now, when I saw that DeMar signing, I was excited for the basketball implications. I was not excited about the terms because it's a three-year deal for DeMar DeRozan. I, I don't think that third year he's going to give anywhere near what he's giving now. Um, you know, maybe even two years from now, he's not going to give anywhere near what he's giving now. So, Tony, what do you think? You know, I mean, what do you think if a championship window was to open up for the Bulls, when would it open up? I mean, the, the, the championship window is now like the next three years because they kind of put themselves in, you know, in this position, they got to go win now. Like, I don't want to know what a post 32 year old Zach Levine still here without, you know, going to the at least the Eastern Conference finals. Like, I don't I don't want to know what that team looks like. Like it feels weird. It feels like <laughs> that theme is going to be weird, but um, they got to start thinking championship after this year, after you made your, you know, your playoff run, wherever it may go, wherever it may end this year, going into next year, you got to be thinking we got to win a championship because we're about to give this dude a max contract. And mm-hmm. if we waste it, or if it doesn't come to fruition, it was like, what was the point of all that? Right. I mean, you could have been building, you know, something more solid for the future, but you bypass that in order to open up that window right now. Um, and, and this is a good time to be in that window, right? I mean, there are no, obviously there's betting favorites to win a championship, but I don't 100% trust any of these teams that are in, you know, nobody, not LeBron, not Giannis, not the Warriors, yeah. not Phoenix, uh, not Denver. There's no team I think the Bulls should absolutely fear. Um in terms of them in a, in a seven game series going into the next season. Um, so whatever that looks like, I'm not a, a real big fan of them trading because I don't know if they have the necessary assets to get something meaningful. 
yeah. um, on plus of losing, you know, their uh, a pick here and there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. Due to the, uh, the tampering, you know, investigation. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, they they can't be in the mode of constantly giving away assets, right? Uh, for a team that doesn't have a real future past three years. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that they also have to consider. But hey, it is what it is. It's go time. You know, it, it's it's exciting. You know, for the Bulls fan, right? Knowing that your team is finally in it, in contention, and yeah. you know, in the conversation. So that's all fun. But after this year's over everybody's going to be looking like, okay, what's next? That was fun and unexpected, yep. Yep. but what's next going into this year? And it's got to yep. be championship mindset. Otherwise, you gave Zach Levine a contract that you couldn't really back up with anything tangible in terms of winning. A couple of thoughts to hit rapid fire here. So if we're talking about maybe you know trade assets or trade chips, let me throw a name out there. A uh, guy that, that Trey and I both love, uh, I, I've even considered changing my Twitter name to this guy's Stan account. Uh, I had assume him. I mean, mm-hmm. this dude, this dude has been balling, man. He looks incredible. He looks like a, and again, not, not a star player, just mm-hmm. a very, very solid role player, probably for years. I mean, he's just going to be a very solid dude on both ends of the floor. If you were to be able to, tr- to trade him for a, uh, you know, another piece, I mean, is that, is that something you think that the Bulls can dangle out there? I mean, they can dangle it out there. I don't know if they get much, you know, back. I mean, he's still a rookie, right? Is what we're we looking at, you know, De'Aaron Fox. You know, or like that, they're not going to do that deal. They might as well keep, you know, De'Aaron Fox. Um, it, again, superstars win championships, right? Like all stars win championships. So you need, if you're making any type of move or adding a piece uh, of significance. Now, I mean, because of COVID, they're adding pieces, you know, left and right. They added Matt McClung. Um, you know, they're adding players to the 10-day, you know, hardship. Uh, so they're adding things constantly, but, uh, you know, in terms of anything that can put them over the top for this season, um, I don't think that move is out there for them. I think this is, this is their team. I think this is uh, the yeah. roster that they're going to have, you know, heading into the playoffs if everybody stays healthy, uh, because I, I just don't think that they have the necessary pieces. I mean, what you're going to dangle again, we've mentioned Patrick Williams. I mean, you could, but then, you know, everybody's looking at you like you bailed on him. Yeah. Like, you know, you build. You're not getting it. Yeah. And it is. Right. right. He hasn't he hasn't done anything. They were easily replaced to six points in the in that lineup. Right. um, After he went down this year. You know, I mean, Kobe is hasn't been consistent enough for him to be a viable, you know, trade piece for anybody that is looking to, you know, add a a score off the bench. Um, And after that, it's kind of like, I mean, they cut Alizé Johnson. They. Uh, Tony Bradley can't catch a cold. Um, get, <laughs> That's rough, but but not fair. But fair. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like they don't really have much to move in terms of assets, and I don't feel comfortable with them giving away picks at this point. Uh, future, you know, first round picks. So uh, yeah, I think I think this is their roster, and I, I don't think they ha- really have enough to actually entice anybody to trade with them. One more. I'm thing. happy with the roster. I am happy too. I, I, not to say I'm not, but you know, uh, obviously, if you actually think it's a possibility to win a championship, then you, you want to add. But I, I don't actually think it is. Um, but anyways, one more before you before you run here, Tony mm-hmm. uh, Vucevic. He is on his last year of his deal next season, twenty two mm-hmm. million dollars. Do you see that as being a trade chip for the Bulls? Could be. Uh, could be if uh, things aren't working out. Uh, where they feel like they're in the same 
place they were last year or heading to the same place they were last year, you know, uh, you know, second round exit. Um, I mean, they may want to ride it out uh, and just kind of say, hey, at least we'll free up that cap space. Like we may not get anything for him if we if we trade him now, but at least we have the cap space to go get somebody else. We don't necessarily have to fill it with a trade. Uh, Arturis and Mark, they're very creative with how they move uh, money and how they move picks and things like that. So I'm very, very interested to see what they do with uh, Vooch, but um, I think he really likes him. He may possibly want to sign him back for, you know, another a quick two, two-year deal uh, to return to the Bulls or, or something of that sort. Uh, but, you know, anything's possible. You know, with this group, we thought they were going to ride out with last year's team, and they were like, nope, ship everybody <laughs> out. So yeah, um, not, they, yeah. they, it's certainly an option, and I know this is kind of like the wackest, lamest answer of, I don't know, anything's <laughs> possible, I guess. But I, I really think that, uh, again, we're still learning how their patterns, right? We've gotten so much of the guard packs, and we understood mm-hmm. where their head's at mm-hmm. and where, what how they were moving. Um, this is only what the third, second year, third year, second year, second year, second year, yeah. uh, together. So we're still learning their patterns, and yep. they've been relatively quiet. They don't talk much to the media, uh, from you know season to season. You get the you know the bigger press conference right mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season. Uh, you get the All Star press conference, and then you get the end of season press conference. They don't really talk much in between. So right. they're gonna let Billy Donovan do his thing and have him be the spokesperson throughout the year, uh, but. Yeah, it's, it's certainly an option, but I don't think that they are going to do that uh, in terms of moving Vooch. All right. All right, Tony, man, it's been great, man. But, hey, quickly, guys, before we go, before we sign off, we want to also remind you all to use coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That's HOOPBALL20 for 20% off of your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HoopBall. Again, that is HoopBall. We are Sports Ethos, but that was our old name. On the third page of Sign Up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. Uh, Tony, man, it's been awesome. Uh, guys, I am Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter at, at BSBPKeith. Trey, where can the good people find you? On Twitter at Final Finally. And don't forget to follow the show, guys, at, at Ethos Bulls. And Tony, where can people find your work, my man? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Tony Gill, also on Instagram at the Tony Gill. Um, that's where I share all my stuff. We have fun conversations. We can share memes and gifs and gifs and all that stuff on social media. So that's where you can find me in all of NBC Sports uh, properties. Make sure you check all those out if you're interested in, uh, you know, more Bulls talk and or, you know, just more of hearing this voice It'll be <laughs> somewhere around there. So and check out this stuff. all NBC stuff. <laughs> Good stuff, man. And uh, yeah, yeah, I need some more Bulls memes. So I'm going to check that out. Uh, Guys, have a great time. Great holidays. Thanks for joining us, Tony. Go Bulls. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, 
bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.